I was saying, you know, how the Lord television raise up a child, you know, the way they should go. And they won't depart. And I was just thinking of the car and how he took his, his children and with music and raised them. And then I thought about the walkings. You have a brother and sister up here just singing and, and, and just into the music. And then how the dad pulled out all this in them. Then I looked over there to the sea race. And I say, man, look at us, boy. We so rich. Oh, Lord. Man, let me tell you, this place, we are rich. You know what I'm saying? I mean, talent and gift. Look what God has done. Amen. I'm telling you, you have something for us this morning? No, okay. I have to check. <laughs> I don't want to go no further. Amen. We ready for the word this morning. Amen. Minister, uh, I'm not minister, Elder Watkins are really it's a blessing to all of us. You know, this is where it all started, though, know, from, you know, his grandfather, father worked all the way down, you know. And we are truly blessed. And we're getting ready to be blessed this morning. I remember he told me something. He said that. And we was talking. He said, Dad, uh, you know when it's all over with? I said, yeah. He said, I want to be empty out. We don't want to go to the cemetery with anything left. Want to be empty. You know, there's so much potential and so much things that, that could have been that buried in the cemetery with gifts and talent that never came about because somebody just, just refused or maybe didn't have the mindset to give back God where he can be exalted, you know. And he said, I want to be empty. I want to leave everything on the field. I want to leave everything here. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, that's me. Uh, I don't nothing left. No, I'm done. Just roll me up, just throw me all over them. That's it. It's all over. Ain't nothing left. Nothing. Amen. I ask you this morning, get ready to stand to your feet and let us be blessed this morning with Elder Watkins. Amen. Let's give him a hand, praise. Again with the saints good to be in the land of the living and the reason why I know that I still have more to do is because God woke me up this morning Amen. I'm not quite empty yet and I'm hoping that I won't be empty anytime soon but when I do leave here I want to have a empty tank I won't I don't even want to have no fumes left in the tank all just dry gone and uh even with that being said, I know that uh, there will still be more that will need to be done even after my days have ended. And that is why we have to train up our children in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they do not depart from it. Someone has to tell the story and someone has to take the baton and keep running. And our hope and our goal, uh, which I believe is God's intent as well, is that we do everything that we can the words that we say, what we do, to bring glory and honor to him and to do that readily before our children so that they see the example and so that someone can tell the story after we can no longer tell it. That is my hope, that is my prayer for this generation and the generations to come. I give honor to God for being here today, for health, life, breath, and strength for my family. Um, I'm glad that God place it upon my oldest daughter's heart to come and visit us, a surprise visit for three weeks. We will be blessed to be here with her. We thank all of those who are um, family members of New Life Community Church who are here present, those that may be on Zoom. And uh, as Sister Marnie said, we want to try to encourage you to invite somebody and bring them with you. Imagine if each one of us brought one we might have to start getting some chairs out in the, in the aisle way. That would be a good problem to have. 
Before we begin, I'm just going to open up with a word of prayer. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, once again for this yet another opportunity that you've given to us, these, your people, Lord God, that you affectionately refer to in Scripture as my people, Lord God. We come before you right now thanking you, Lord God, for giving us the ability to be able to get up this morning to come out to service, to encourage one another, one another just by our presence alone. If we don't say anything or do anything, just our presence here with the saints is enough to encourage us. And Lord, we thank you that you have come to be here present with us, Lord God. We know that where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you are there in the midst. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord. We ask right now that you would bless this word as it goes forth, that it would accomplish that which you have purposed, that it would not return void, that it would fall upon the hearts of these, your people, Lord God, and that we would not just be mere hearers of your word only, but doers also, Lord God. And Lord, help us that we might hide this word in our hearts, that we might not sin against you, but not hide it so much that we don't share it with others. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you have done and what you are about to do, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I will be bringing a continuation and a completion to a message that I started months ago that was originally supposed to be three parts, but now it has turned into like three and a half. So we are going to finish up with this today. On last time that I stood before you, I was not able to complete that, but our plan today is to do just that and finish with this particular message on today. Uh, those of you who may remember, we I've been talking about the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God, because this is something that in today's age is not something that's easy to come by. Uh, truth is something uh, that has been made relative over the years, it has been a situation where truth has been looked upon as being something that is not absolute, but the people of God know that that is not true. We know that God is truth. We know that his word is truth. We know that Jesus is the truth. And if you know him, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. It will set you free, set you free from bondage, the bondage of sin the bondage of ignorance, the bondage of anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The first two messages that I brought carried us on a path, and any path starts with a beginning. There's a beginning that, place that you start with any kind of path that you are going to take, and we talked about the beginning of truth. We talked about the path of truth or the way of truth. But eventually, when you start on a path, there is a destination. There is an uh, ultimate destination, a place where you are trying to get. And that is what we're going to talk about today. So there are severe consequences for not knowing the truth or listening to lies. In this day and age, we can see more so than ever that when people have certain narratives, they have certain agendas, they have certain uh, wants and desires, they can control information in such a way as to cause you to think something that is not true. This, by definition, is deceptive. It is a lie. And what people need in order to make right decisions is the truth. They need truth. And I'm not talking about your truth, and I'm not talking about my truth. I'm not talking about their truth or her truth or his truth. I'm talking about the truth, God's truth. What is true? And truth can be known. Some people would like to be intellectually dishonest and say, well, the truth cannot really be known. Not absolutely. We kind of stumble upon truth and we are able to over time ascertain what is truth as though everything that we know about truth is determined by the scientific method, which is a painful process of trial and error. We don't have to error. If we look at the word of God, believe it to be what it is, and that is true, and do what it says. 
That's what we have to do if we want to avoid the painful process of trial and error. Trial and error can be painful, can't it? It can cause you a lot of loss, a lot of suffering, a lot of crying, a lot of sleepless nights. It can cause you to lose a little bit, but it can cause you to lose a great deal because of trial and error. And we are dishonest if we think that that is the only way that we can come to the knowledge of the truth. We need to get into God's word, don't we? We need to study God's word so that we might know the truth. I think about the years that have passed by, the 28 years that my wife and I have been together um, before the internet was, you know, a real thing, cell phones, before they were a thing, right? Before GPS came. But sometimes on our road trips, uh, we would get lost, right? Because we couldn't even print out the directions. We had to like look at a, a map or, you know, a, a book that had maps in it, right? And we had to be able, one, to, to have one of those kinds of things. And you, you young people might not know anything about a book of, of, of maps, you know, an atlas is what it was called. And I'm not talking about that guy who holds the world on his back, not that guy, but we're talking about a book of maps. And uh, of course, you know, that was not up to date because if they changed a the road, of course, it was not going to be in your atlas. So you had to buy a new one and it had a date on it, a year, so that you could have the most up to date atlas. But you would have to have one of those. But if you didn't, you would have to rely upon those in the area who might be familiar with where you might be trying to get, right? And uh, you might have your wife say to you, honey, uh, you, we're lost, aren't we? No, we're not lost. We're not lost. No, I, know, I know exactly where we're going. See, the sun is over there and it's 6 p.m. So that means that's west, right? I know exactly where we are, right? Huh? Uh, or you might get out of the car and look at the side of a tree and say, oh, there's moss on this side, so that must be north, right? Hmm? Right? I'm not lost. I know exactly where I'm at. 20 hours later, you get to where you're supposed to be, which only should have taken three or four hours, right? But sometimes what would be said would be, you know, why don't you pull over? He looks like he might know where we need to go. He looks like somebody who knows the area. Let's, let's pull over. Might be a gas station, you know, they there, you know. We can just ask them, right? And then they say, oh yeah, I know where you're trying to get. Go down here, make a left and then a right and then another left and a right and a, and a left there. You go down about four miles and then you make another right. And like, yeah, I got all of that. Okay, all right, I know exactly where we are. <laughs> 20 hours later, you get to where you're supposed to go, right? But now we have GPS, right? We got GPS, Global Positioning System, right? We got somebody looking down on us, telling us exactly where we are at any given time. But my wife and I, we just went to the west side of the state, and I was on my way back, and I kind of know how to get back, but there was some construction, and we had to take an alternate route, so I had to put the GPS on. And my wife can attest to this, but the GPS is sitting up here on the dashboard. And as we're driving, that arrow, which is supposed to tell you which direction you're supposed to go, and it started doing like this. It started going all over the place. And the lady's voice kept talking to me, like, just like right in my ear, like she would not relent. She would not give, and she was like, left, now, now, right, right now, now, now. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? It got to a point after 10 minutes of that, of the thing jumping all over the place and rerouting me in this. And I'm like, I don't see anything ahead of us that could be causing that. So eventually I just had to like turn her off. I had to turn her off and I had to drive, get this, by faith. I had to drive by faith because the GPS was not reliable. The GPS was not reliable. And I had to go by faith with what I know. I had to listen to not that voice that was talking to me there, but that inner voice. 
And guess what? We made it home. We got to our destination. Sometimes when you're in the kitchen and you are trying to cook something, you say, well, this is just a generalized, uh, you know, guidelines about how to make particular thing. I think I'm going to not add that. I'll put this in there. And, stuff. and when you do that enough times, what can happen is it cannot maybe turn out the way that you want it to turn out, right? It's not the way you remembered it last time. Why? Because you did not follow the recipe, right? How about you men who like to open up a box and put something together that has 50 or 75 pieces and then you finish with it and there's three pieces left and you say to yourself, they must have put extra pieces in the box. They must have, uh, you know, these, these are optional pieces and you don't even look at the instructions, right? The, the instructions are in the trash already, right? You don't need no instructions. That's for people, that's for idiots, right? That's with people that don't know what they're doing, right? But you got pieces left over, and then when you get out there and you try to use that lawnmower, and you pull the cord, it might start up, but then it'll shut off, right? Or uh, as you're riding on it, you know, one of the one of the wheels will fall off, right? Or 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 or, or you'll have grass blowing back in your face because you didn't put it together the right way, right? Uh, the science world, they use the scientific method. It's kind of like a recipe. They do exactly what is prescribed to do for a certain experiment. It might be mixing, right, some uh, chemicals together. And that is why uh, children who have that chemistry class, they have to have a, a sheet, a form that comes home that not only they have to sign, but their parents have to sign that they have read it, that they will under no circumstances take certain chemicals that they want to just kind of see what happened if you mix this with that or whatever, that they will not do that without being directed to do so by their teacher, right? And the reason for that is because uh, if you mix certain chemicals together, there might be a disastrous outcome that might follow, right? Some bad things might happen. It might be an explosion. It might be a fire. There may be some noxious fumes that uh, come about which can destroy your respiratory system, right? So there's certain things that you are advised not to do. But if you don't follow these things, disastrous outcomes might follow. So there are severe consequences for not taking heed to the truth when it is heard. It's not just knowing what the truth is. It's not just hearing the truth, but it is actually doing what you are supposed to do in accordance with the truth. And God has a word of warning for his people. He's had that throughout human history. He's given us instructions. It is like our directions or our GPS. It is like a recipe or instructions. It is like a scientific experiment that you are supposed to follow precisely each time. And when you don't, bad things happen. And he has shown throughout scripture what happens when his people do not listen to him, when they don't follow his commands, when they don't do as he has instruct, instructed. So scripture will benefit us greatly if we just take the time to read, to study, and to immerse ourselves in it daily, because it's like spiritual food, that's what it is, and take heed to what it says. It's not just partaking of it. It's not just studying it. It's not just reading it. I did my chapter for the day, but I need to study it and understand what it means. And I need to digest it and put it on the inside so that it becomes beneficial to me in my spiritual walk. God grants his people grace. We need a whole lot of that, don't we? Hmm? He also grants us mercy. Is that right? We need a whole lot of that too. We need God's grace because we need God to give us that which we do not deserve, right? Hmm? But we need a whole lot of mercy as well because we, we need God to withhold from that which we do deserve, right? We would be destroyed if it was not for grace and mercy. But one time, one, one of the things that we sometimes maybe don't realize that Yes, grace and mercy is good, but we also need the time in which to experience as much grace and mercy as possible. And God gives us that time in order to experience that grace so that we might grow by it, right? 
so that we might have an opportunity to be able to experience that and then learn from our mistakes. You can live and learn, or you can live and repeat. And more times you repeat, the more painful it becomes, right? We need to live and learn from our mistakes so that we don't live and repeat those same mistakes over and over again. And the consequences of them just begin to pile up more and more, eventually until judgment, ultimate judgment comes. So this grace and mercy that God gives to us is something that we enjoy, is something that we benefit from. And we benefit from that during the time in which God gives us to benefit from that. But eventually, time runs out. What comes after the time runs out? Unfortunately, judgment comes. And that's something that we want to avoid because it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That is what the Hebrew writer tells us. Those of you who are parents have undoubtedly had to uh, show some grace and some mercy to your children, right? And you've had to show that to them for a period of time in some dispensations of their uh, maturity and, 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 and life, right? You have to uh, give them more grace and more mercy, depending, right? Uh, I was under the false assumption that once uh, I got my children to age five, that they would be safe, that I would not have to worry about them anymore, that I wouldn't have to worry about them hurting themselves or harming themselves in any way, nothing significant, because by five, they would have enough sense to be able to, you know, protect themselves from, you know, like crossing the street, you know, don't go up to a stray dog, those kinds of things. Don't stick your wet finger into a light socket, those kinds of things, right? Don't drink, you know, from containers that you find under the kitchen sink, you know, even if it does look like grape juice, don't drink it, all right? Those kinds of things you think once they're, you know, at five, they're in school, they're learning their alphabet, their numbers, their colors and all that kind of stuff. I will not have to worry about them as much. Not so, not so. I have a 26 year old, a 25 year old, almost 26, and some children that are younger than her, and I still worry about them all. I do, for various reasons, various things, right? Things that are appropriate to their developmental stage, right? And somehow or another, it escaped me as I was growing up that I was worrying my parents the same way. I thought that I was just, you know, I, I, I know that they are, you know, like, whew, finally, he's, he's out there on his own. No, they still worried about me the same way. And I believe that maybe when you get to be 60 or 70 years old as a child, if you have parents that are still alive, they will worry about you still, right? And I don't mean worry to the point of doubt, but I mean being concerned for their well-being, right? Looking at the things that maybe are going on in their lives that maybe you would say, oh, I wouldn't do it that way, right? Right? But that is because of the advantage that you have of many years beyond them, and you learned that on your own, right? Life would be so much easier if people could learn from the mistakes of others, but unfortunately that is not reality, and we must all learn, right? the way that we learn. And sometimes it does require some pain and some suffering. But with God though, we need to listen to his word and we know that he does not lie. We know that he is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. But somehow or another, we just don't look at what he says and do it all the time. As if there is another way that we could do this to kind of circumvent that, go around it, and, uh, you know, maybe he just left this out and I'm just going to, you know, go ahead and do it this way uh, and, and, and it'll be fine. Right. No, nope, it's not fine. If you don't do it the way God has prescribed, uh, there can be problems. So the destination of truth is unspeakable joy and contentment. But to neglect it is quite the opposite. Isaiah gives us a description of what can happen if we neglect the word of God that gives us knowledge and not just knowledge, but truth. Don't confuse knowledge with truth, because sometimes you can be filled with a whole lot of knowledge and just be an educated fool. You can have a whole lot of knowledge, but deny the existence of God. 
And the scripture tells us that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So Isaiah gives us a description of what can happen if we neglect the word of God. It gives us knowledge and not just knowledge, but truth. Uh, if you would just look at Isaiah 513, I'm going to be looking at various verses in chapter 5 of Isaiah 513, 515, 518, and then 20 through 23. He says here, therefore, my people go into exile. I just want to draw your attention to this, my people. He's not talking about people who are out in the world, pagans, people that don't believe in God. He's talking about his people, people who are called by his name. If you look at 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, he says, and my people, if they are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... But I hear from heaven, right? I will forgive them of their sins and heal their land. You would think that, well, that's talking about the world repenting. No, it's not. No, it's talking about the people of God humbling themselves, right? And praying and turning from their wicked, not, not the people of God, wicked ways. What do you mean? No, that's what it says. He says, my people humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, then after they have turned, that is, repented of their wicked ways, then I will hear, right? Hmm? God is going to hear those prayers, right, from heaven, right? And he will first forgive them, and then the healing of the land can take place. If we're looking for the healing of our land today, this country and the world, do not look to the secular world to bring that about. It is going to happen because the people of God humble themselves and pray and seek after God's face, turning from their wicked ways. And then we will get an answer. It will not be a world leader. It will not be a political uh, party. It will not be any kind of social remedies. It will be as a result of the people of God humbling themselves and praying. But he's talking about my people. And he says here in Isaiah 5.13, therefore my people go into exile. That is, they are cast out or put into captivity. And it is because of a certain thing. It is because of a lack of knowledge. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that the people of God are stupid, that they're ignorant, that they're incapable of learning? No. It's talking about the knowledge that they have is not the right knowledge. It is not rooted and grounded in truth. If they knew the truth, if they had been exposed to the truth, right, they would not be in the situation that they're in, and they would not be into exile. They would not be cast out, and they would not go into captivity, but they go there because of a lack of knowledge. And then he explains what that means. And their honorable men are famished. Honorable men. They're famished in character. These are honorable men deemed to be so by society, by anybody's standard, to be the honorable men in society, but they are famished, morally bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. They are famished, okay, and their multitude is parched with thirst. That is, the general population is parched with thirst. They, they need some spiritual water, but they are thirsty because they have not partaken of that spiritual water. So the common man will be humbled and the man of importance abased. When you look at this particular passage here, it repeats the same thing, okay, but it says it in a different way. It makes reference to a different person. It says the same thing, but it says it in a different way. So, in it, so the common man will be humbled and the man of importance abased, right? So the common person is going to be humbled within himself and God is going to do that humbling. I have always said and have said repeatedly in this pulpit, it is better to be humble than it is to be humbled. It is better for you to humble yourself. It is better for you to humble yourself than it is for you to have to be humbled by God. And God has a way of humbling every single one of us. Has anybody in here ever been humbled by God? Hmm? Have you not looked back on that situation and said, boy, I wish I had humbled myself first. 
maybe I would not be suffering the way that I am, right? God is going to give you exactly what it is that you need in order to get to that point where you humble yourself. That is to say, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, right? To keep a proper perspective between who you are and who God is, right? God is not my homeboy, right? He's not the man upstairs. And contrary to some people's t-shirts, God is not dope. Now we just sat here and we listened to what it is that Brother Tim Collier said about the name of God and the person of God and his holiness and his righteousness. Not one to be trivialized, not one to be made light of. That's not the God we serve. The God we serve is high and lifted up. He is holy. And that's something we don't hear a whole lot in the Christian church today about the holiness of God and the fact that his people should be holy because he is holy. Are you a chip off the old block? And I hate to say it that way because God is not an old block, is he? But I have to bring it down to where people can understand what I'm saying, right? Are you just like your father? Are you acting like your father? Are you being conformed daily to the image of Jesus Christ, the son of God? Are you? Or have you shaped and molded him into what your idea of God is? He's my homie, right? He's the man upstairs. He's dope, whatever that is, right? I can just about tell you that's not what God is, though. He's way more than that. And I'd be afraid to say that he was dope. I'd be afraid to wear that T-shirt. Matter of fact, if I see somebody wearing that T-shirt, I don't even want to stand close to him. Because we don't know when judgment's going to come, do we? Or in what form that it might come. It could be a semi-truck. It could be a lightning bolt. Any, I don't want to. But God is able, right? He's able to spare me, right? So these people that Isaiah was writing about, he says, the eyes of the proud also will be abased, along with the humble, uh, the, the humbling of, of, of the, the common man, right? And then it says, woe to those, these are the woes, and woe, when, when you see woe, that, that's supposed to come with some type of lament, right? You are supposed to be like, oh my God, terror, right? You are supposed to be lamenting, like biting all of your fingernails, right? You know, biting your fist, right? I mean, like, uh, I'm going to get it, right? I mean, uh, I don't know, maybe there's some of you who growing up or whatever, you knew that when, when the teacher called your parents, right? Uh, and, 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 and you knew that back in the day, you got a paddle from the principal, right? Uh, and, and when you got home, you knew that that was child's play compared, compared to what was going to happen when you got home, right? And, and, and then... You heard those words, and wait until your father gets home. Oh, my goodness, another one? Wow. Now, that's man. But I just got done saying that it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Right? It is a fearful thing to fall into his hands. It says, woe, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Does that sound familiar? Who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Hmm? Who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. This was not just prophecy. This is stuff that was going on then, right? It was a word for them at that time, but it is a word for us today, and God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is immutable as his word is immutable. It does not change, and his requirements do not change. 
and his judgment will follow anybody who does these kinds of things. But this is why the people of God, not the sinners, not those that were out in the world, why they went into captivity. And it was not just the people of God who went into captivity, but it was those that were not the people of God who went into captivity with the people of God. To whom much is given, much is required. So there are severe consequences for not spreading and telling the truth with courage and conviction. We just had a Sunday school uh, uh, lesson or uh, a quarter that was dealing with courage. And I cannot think of another time in my life where courage is more relevant in society. You could kind of get by in the past without a whole bunch of courage. But now there are certain things that are coming under fire. Your children are involved. Your job is involved. Your ability to go and come your ability to buy and sell, your ability to do things that you took for granted in the past are now being challenged because you lack courage, because you don't want to say no to certain things because of the consequences that will follow. And it's not just the physical things in life, but it is about God as well. Because if you cannot stand on the principles of the word of God and do what it is that he has said, which you have been convicted to do according to his word, which you feel led to do by his word, you are afraid of man instead of God. The scripture speaks against that, that we should fear God rather than man. What is the worst thing that man can do to you? Kill your body, right? But the scripture, Jesus said, don't fear man who can only kill the body, but fear he who can not only kill the body, but the soul in hell, right? That's who you need to fear. And when I say fear, I'm talking about reverence. I'm talking about fearing God in such a way that you know that he is your creator. He is the one that punched you in and he will punch you out, right? He is the one, right? who brought you in to existence, according to Acts chapter 17, at a certain time, in a certain place, during a certain dispensation in history, right? Who birthed you into a family who he predetermined who your parents were, were going to be, what socioeconomic class they were going to be, what continent they were going to li live uh, on. And, and he picked all of that in advance for you. He did that. And he did it for his own purpose, for his own glory. And what we need to understand is that there's going to come a time when we have to stand for the truth. And that time is drawing nigh. Listen to the word of the Lord, it says in Hosea 4, 1 through 6. Listen to the word of the Lord, O sons of Israel, for the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. Because there is no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land, what are these? These are things that are antithetical to God's uh, purpose, his program, his creation itself. These things are against God, these things that people are doing. There's no faithfulness. There's no kindness. There's no knowledge of God in the land. Okay. There is swearing, that is oath-taking, deception, murder, stealing, adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. And that's what happens. These gangs, there's never an end to it. You kill one of mine, I kill two of yours, right? You kill two of mine, I'm gonna kill three of yours. There's no, there's no, 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 no end to it. It is constantly getting worse and worse and worse, and people do not believe in the concept of getting even. They want to get over, don't they? They want to do more to you than what was done to them. And we call ourselves civilized, living in a society where that kind of thing is not the norm, but it is becoming more and more the norm. Therefore, the land mourns, it says. So it's not just the people, but it's the land itself, the earth, right? And everyone who lives in it languishes along with the beast. So the animals of the field and the birds of the sky and also the fish of the sea disappear. 
the consequences of sin is catastrophic. And it's amazing how it is that this alludes back to God's creation. How it is it talks about the animals that are on the land, the animals that are in the sea, the animals that are in the sky, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. It talks about the land itself and the inhabitants of the land is all being adversely impacted because of this sin, all these things that he has listed and more. And this is not an exhaustive list. Yet, let no one find fault. We see it happening, but nobody wants to point the finger and say, that's not right. Stand up against that which is wrong. This is what was happening in his day as well. Yet no one finds fault and let none, uh, no one, uh, no offer uh, reproof, it says, right? So when you see these kinds of things, what happens is you're supposed to uh, re reprove that. You're supposed to call it out. You're supposed to, to say, you know what, that's not right. And, and there used to be a time when there were mores, certain things that were not acceptable in society. There was no written law in the books. Congress didn't have to meet to take uh, the rights of people away and make laws. There were certain things that were expected of those in society. And if you saw somebody not doing it, you would be like, point them out, right? Right? There was a time when walking on the street drunk or whatever was something you wouldn't think of doing. Today, that's no big thing. That's just something to be entertained by. They'll get your cell phone out and it'll go viral and you'll see them stumbling in the street. And that person will have a moment in time to be infamous, right? Or famous, however you look at it. These are the kinds of things, doing things to children, okay? That was a time when you wouldn't even think of that, right? But now it's everywhere. It's being taught everywhere, right? Even in some of the schools, attacking children who are supposed to be innocent and filling their heads with all kinds of adult things, things that shouldn't even be considered to be adult. I use that as the common vernacular, but these are things that not even adults should be engaged in, but they are subjecting children to these kinds of things. And nobody is pointing that finger and saying, you know what, that's not right. We need to reprove that, right? And it's always tolerance at any cost, tolerance. We have to tolerate things. Tolerate sin, for your people are like those who contend with the priest, it says. They argue with the priest. They argue with the person who is the intermediary between God and man. They argue with this person, a spiritual leader. They want to contend with that person, right? Somebody who is supposed to have a direct line to God. They don't listen to God, and they don't listen to God's man or woman who has a line a direct line. They're on the telephone with God, right? Getting a word from heaven, they don't want to hear a word from them. And not only that, but they contend with them. So you will stumble by day. This is the consequence as we close. This is the consequence of not listening to the word of God. You will stumble by day. What kind of a person stumbles in the broad daylight? Somebody who is spiritually blind. You have the light of day, but you are still stumbling. And again, this is that same kind of language where it repeats the same thing, but it gives you a different perspective based on the person that it's talking about. It says you, like the common man, you will stumble by day, and the prophet also will stumble with you by night. Isn't that sad? And we might say, well, at least he's not stumbling in the daytime like the rest of the people. It is dark, right? But the prophet of God, the priest of God, the preacher of God, they should have insight like no one else. They should have discernment like no one else. But even they are stumbling, stumbling, spiritually stumbling about in darkness because they have no discernment. They have no vision. They have no discerning eye. And it says here, and I will destroy your mother. Don't even have, oh my goodness. So even the aged mother will not be spared in this judgment. I won't get into how it is she might be culpable, how it is she might be personally responsible, the fathers, how they might be 
personally responsible for how society has gotten to the point in which it does to bring about this kind of judgment. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that knowledge is not just knowledge, as I said, but truth. Because you have rejected knowledge, that is truth, I also will reject you from being my priest. Supposed to be a spokesman for God. Hmm? A city that sits upon a hill, right? A light that is upon the candlestick, right? Not one hidden under a bushel or under the bed, but one that sits high so that everyone can see by that light. And we know that Matthew tells us in the fifth chapter, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. God and Jesus, the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit, they have not changed and they still require the same thing. Since you have forgotten the law of God, I also will forget your children. What does that mean? That means that the consequences of your sins will have an impact upon generations to come. And this is what the scripture means when it says that the sins of the father have been visited upon the children to the third and the fourth generation. And why is that? Because they failed to tell the story. They failed to tell the truth. They failed to teach about the nature and character of God and to share with them the word of God in such a way that is understandable and leaves them without excuse. We know that in the last days that people are going to mock us because we're telling the truth. They're going to say all kinds of things against the people of God. We know that Second Peter, he says, know this first of all. And this is in Second uh, Peter 3 and 3. Know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire. So it's going to be fire next time, not water. He did put the rainbow in the sky saying that he would never flood the earth in judgment because uh, of a flood, right? He wouldn't, he wouldn't do that. But next time it will be fire kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, but listen to this part, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So why is time just continuing to go on and on and on? It's not because he's slack concerning his promise. He is trying to give us time the time that we need in order to experience as much grace and mercy as possible. No one will be able to say, God, you didn't give me enough time. You didn't, if you had just did one more thing, I would have came to faith in Christ. I would have did it. If you had just did this one thing, nobody will have that as an excuse. And those that say, well, he hasn't come yet, so he probably ain't never coming, right? No, that's not it. He's trying to give you an opportunity to change your thinking before it is everlasting too late. So don't count his slowness as being slack in his promise, but look at it the way in which it's intended. That is to give you much, as much time as possible to experience as much grace and mercy as possible before judgment comes. Because this once appointed for a man to die, and then after that, judgment is coming. So the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help us God. The beginning of truth is knowing the truth, that is Jesus. The pathway of truth is walking in the truth through the narrow gate, down a narrow way, and entering through the door. And what is the door? The door is the word, the way, the truth, the living truth, that is Jesus. The destination of truth is eternity in heaven, in the presence of God, seeing him, that is Jesus, as he is for those who hear and heed. For those who reject, distort, despise, suppress the truth of God, of God 
in unrighteousness, the wrath of God awaits them. And that's what Romans 1.18 tells us. So how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God and such we are, not will be, right? But we are right now. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixes on him, uh, fixed on him, purifies himself just as he is pure. That's 1 John 3, 1 through 3. My hope is that we will begin, if we have not already, to see the importance of seeking after the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? That we seek after the truth of God's word because man cannot be trusted. I hate to say it. I would love to say otherwise. The scripture tells us, uh, you know, uh, you, you are a fool if you put your confidence in man, right? Tells us that we should not put our trust in princes, right? It should not, we should not put ourselves in mortal man, but put our trust in God. We have to have a compass. We have to have a North Star. We have to have something that guides us in the midst of darkness. When that person is, that, that captain is on the sea, uh, he can't look at landmarks in the middle of an ocean, can he? There are no landmarks. There's nothing but water and waves, right? Huh? He's got to look up, doesn't he? He has to look at something that's fixed, right? And he might start with that North Star, which does not change, right? And if he sees that North Star, he knows where the other stars are in relationship to that North Star. And he's able to tell what heading he's supposed to be on, even in the middle of the ocean. And doing so, 100% of the time, always, he will get to his destination. But if he looks at the sea, and he looks at the waves, and he looks at the ocean, and he looks at the water, and he looks at the storm, and he looks at the turmoil that's going on around him, and he fails to look up, he will never get home. He'll just be out there in the midst of the ocean, being tossed to and fro by every wind and every wave, every doctrine, right? Our doctrine, the teaching of the Word of God, that is what is going to lead us home. And we need to do as much as we can every single day to not only equip ourselves with that word, that doctrine, but also to equip our children and those around us with that word. More could be said, and we ask that we uh, continue to pray for our families, pray for those that are lost, continue to be a light in the midst of darkness. And uh, right now we want for you, if there's anyone who does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we'll have those that will be up here in the front who will be able to pray for you, anoint you, and to talk with you if you want to make that choice today. Uh, continue to pray my strength in the Lord. Continue to pray for this church, pray for this nation, pray for our leaders, pray for those in other countries as well who are suffering, just like we are in many regards. Pray for the truth of God's word to be proclaimed. Thank you.